Well, a wonderful good morning to each one of you. What a song service we have enjoyed. To participate and sing such wonderful songs as we've had the opportunity to sing this morning. The exalted privilege that we have to approach our Heavenly Father. No greater blessings could we enjoy as a family than to get together and enjoy such fellowship as we have this morning. If you're a visitor among us, we thank you for being here. Invite you to each and every opportunity that you have to come and be with us any worship service. You're always welcome. If you have questions, we're always open to study, to meditate upon the truths of God. I have a subject this morning that I hope you will find interesting. And above that, I hope you will find it profitable as we live and as we wait for Jesus' return. I know that's supposed to operate. There we go. I want to talk a little while this morning about the subject of eternity. Do you ever think about that little word that has such a great meaning? The word eternity. Why would we want to think of such a thing? In the book of 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 9 said, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. What does that challenge your thinking about the words before the world began? And there's another verse of scripture in Titus 1 and verse number 2 said, promised before the world began. So there must have been something, there must have been someone that was back before the world began. And if you run the timeline back to when the beginning of the world was, what was before the beginning of the world? It was nothing but eternity. Now think about that word for just a moment. What does the word eternity bring up in your mind when you think of that word? A world without end. That is one definition. Everlasting. Forever and ever. So we have these words that conjure up ideas in our mind. But yet, for me, I cannot comprehend something that has no beginning or ending because everything I see, everything I'm associated with has a beginning and it has an ending. Life begins and life ends. But if we pick up our Bible and we start here and we start back through the timeline, back and back and back, and you get back to the very first part of the book, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we run back to that time. Someone was before this day that created the universe in which you and I live today. which was given us 
in Christ Jesus before the world began. Another promise that you and I have in our lives today, and I'm not going to reiterate these because I've already talked about them, but be promised before the world began. Can we know anything about what was before that time that we have recorded in the book that the world began? I challenge your thinking a little bit this morning. Let's go back and see if we can find something. How about God? In Psalms 90 and verse number 2, said, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast laid the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So we think that God the Father was there in the beginning, that he was from everlasting unto everlasting. He created this world. He created everything in it, you and I. He gives us life. He sustains us. All of these blessings are ours, but it was God the Father. Psalm 93 and verse number 2. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art everlasting. So when we think of God the Father, He's always been. That just blows my mind. Something that never was a beginning or has no end. But that is the description that we have of God. Read with me in Isaiah 40, <clears throat> beginning at verse number 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, Faineth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. And not faint. When we think about the great God that we have, He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the Creator. He is in whom we live, move, and have our very being. So we have with that the Word. Well, what about that one? <clears throat> John 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So we have the Word that was there in the beginning with God. And then we read in verse 14, That Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we have Jesus that was in the beginning the Word that was with God before the world began. And with that, we read in John 17 and verse number 5, Jesus said, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So Jesus in his prayer to God said, Glorify me, Father, just like we used to have just like we had before we created this world. And then we have with that the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1 and verse number 2 said, And the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, 
And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, <clears throat> verse number 14 said, Who through the eternal Spirit. So that Spirit was eternal, just like God the Father, just like Jesus, just like the Holy Spirit. Those three were before the world began. Now I want to challenge your thinking just a little more. How about the angels? Well, somebody said, I never thought about that. Read with me in Job 38. Job has questioned God, and then God turns around and he questions Job. And he said, where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? If thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Job, now if you're so smart, tell me when these things happened. And connected with that, he said, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who were the sons of God that shouted for joy when God laid the foundation of the world? I challenge you that it was the angels that had been around the throne of God forever and ever. Let's go back to this story of creation. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then we find also in the third and the fifth verses, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. I know you're familiar with this, but I introduce it that we will know that this was when time began. The evening and the morning were the first day. You don't have something before the first. So you have the first day after the creation and all was well as we read in the book of Psalms 33, beginning at verse number 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done, he commanded, and it stood fast. So we go back and we read these scriptures over and over, and we're reminded of the power of the word of God that he spoke all of this into existence. And then we go a little further. The creation of man, Genesis 1, beginning verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the all cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created, in it, created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So we began with the creation of the world, we find the creation of man. And in Genesis 2 and verse number 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we have the creation of man, and then God put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it, and he saw that it was not good that man should be alone, so created a woman. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh and stood thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And then I want to call to your attention, God gave one commandment unto Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we go back and we throw rocks at Adam and Eve. We say, why in the world did they make that mistake? Look at all the pain and the suffering and the sorrow and finally death that it's brought for the human race. Well, what about it? The old devil comes along. Satan said unto, or the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. He didn't change much, did he? But notice what he told her. He said, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So we have the transgression of the commandment of God that they did eat. And the result of that was the man became, God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Adam and Eve obtained the knowledge of good and evil. And I challenge your thinking just a little bit. From that day, 6,000 years ago to this present day, there comes a time in the life of every individual that they know good and evil. They know right from wrong because of that transgression. Man 
live by that law, and we still live by that law today. And then we move over a little bit in the book, and we find stories such as Noah. And I'm not going to relabor these very much, but the story of Noah. God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. But he said unto Noah, Make thee an ark of gopher wood, and room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Noah, you know, built that ark. He labored about a hundred years to fulfill the commandment of God. And verse number 22, it said, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah spared he and his sons, their wives, and they created a new world on this side of that flood that destroyed all humanity. The next one that we notice, and that is Abraham. Abraham was made a promise by God. Listen. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. How are you blessed today by the family of Abraham? Galatians 3. Beginning at verse number 16, he said, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Notice what he said. To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and the seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed which is Christ. So Abraham was promised way back here about a promise that was going to come, and that promise was Jesus Christ. Now read, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, it was confirmed unto Abraham, but it was in Christ. And he said, The law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul. That it should make the promise of none effect. Brothers and sisters and friends this morning, there are multitudes of people that want you to keep the old law, but it would nullify the promise that was made to Abraham. What was that promise? Jesus Christ. Study and see if that's not so. Abraham's descendants received the law at Mount Sinai. That law lasted for 1,500 years. And it was fulfilled by and through Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think about that little word fulfilled for just a moment. What does it mean? You know, every word in this book we call the Bible is of importance. Here's one that's important. What does it mean that the law was fulfilled? 
It means to bring to an end. You know you want a new house. You find a contractor and you grow up, draw up a contract or an agreement to build that house. When he has completed all of the building and it meets your approval and everything's okay and you pay him for it, that contract is fulfilled. And when Jesus came and suffered and bled and died on the cross, it fulfilled all the promises of God to the human race, to the Jews and to the Gentiles as well. Look at Matthew 5. I know Jay talked about this subject last week, and I'm not going to deal on it much, but one more thought I want you to get. <clears throat> Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Notice verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. I know Jay talked last week about the law, and he talked about the first five books of the Bible being the law that was given to Israel. And you think about that, and I want to ask you one question, and then we're going to move on. Do you know anyone today that offers animal sacrifices? Open the old law. And you read from the beginning of it to the close of it that they had required animal sacrifices. They required all of these things that would be offered on different various occasions. Does anybody do that today? Then I'm going to challenge you that something passed from the law. And my Savior Jesus said there would be not one jot or tittle passed from the law until all was fulfilled. He fulfilled that law to the nth degree. And then Jesus made a new covenant. Let's read this one one more time. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Who was the seed? It was Jesus. When was this going to end? When the promise was fulfilled. When it was done. The purpose of that law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And when we get to Christ, we're under faith. We're no longer under that schoolmaster. And that was belabored last week. And he said, if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. You go back past that law. You become Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. But notice this one. Galatians 5 and verse number 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. 
And then we move on to a new covenant. Hebrews 8 and verse number 6. And now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, of how, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Now, if you've got something that is a better covenant upon better promises, why would you want to go back to something that is inferior to something that is better? Jesus gave us a better covenant, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not saith the Lord. Verse 13, in that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. He goes back and quotes Jeremiah 31, that there was going to be a new covenant, the old one was going to pass away, and he said that's now the time. And then we come to this point. Christians have lived under the new covenant for 2,000 plus years. And it will last till Jesus comes again. And then we get to this point. And this is where I want you to pick up your Bible. I could put these up on the screen. But to me, they are of more importance if you open your book and you read them with me together. 2 Peter chapter 3. I want to read 15 verses, if you will, please. 2 Peter, the third chapter. Peter said this second epistle, beloved, and I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come of the last day scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord 
will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all of these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening under the coming of the day of God, when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to his wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So when you think about these words, that he talks about the end of time, the world's going to be dissolved. The heavens are going to pass away. What do you think about? Do you ever think about this? Turn with me over to the book of Revelation chapter 4. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardin stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty elders seats. And upon these seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four beasts, even before and behind. When I flip this, you're going to notice that I didn't read what I needed to. Look in Revelation chapter 10. I'm God ahead of myself. I apologize. We'll get that in just a moment. Revelation 10, beginning at verse number 1. And I saw another mighty angel come, out of, or come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Now I want you to just think about what a description he just gave. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot upon the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried 
Seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to ride and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. Can you imagine the picture of that described angel coming and standing with one foot upon the sea and upon the land and uttering the last words that time shall be no more. Then what? Matthew, the 25th chapter. Verse 31. I know you've read these verses. I've preached them. Others have preached them. But I want you to think with me about a little different situation this morning. I want to read verse number 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And I got ahead of myself while I go and read you that description in Revelation 4 about the throne of glory, how that it was set, and the angels, He said, are going to be there. What about the angels, all the holy angels? Well, now I go to Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse number 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Well, I'm not very good in math, but 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. So now when Jesus comes and he sits upon the throne of his glory, that rainbow above his head, the brightness of all of that day, and you've got all of these thousands and thousands of angels singing praises unto God, declaring that time is going to be no more, that throne is set, and then you know what's going to happen? What then? Guess who's going to be there? Look around about you. Every one of us are going to be there. Not only us, but every other person that lives in plain view. Every other person that lives in the United States, every other person that has ever lived in this world from the beginning of time down to this present time. Verse number 32, and he said, 
Before him shall be gathered all nations. We're all going to be there. And he shall separate them one from another as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. Then he shall say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. To those on the right hand, he will say, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He mentioned two things. Eternal life. Where is that? John, 1 John 5, beginning at verse 11, he said, This is the record, that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And then on the other side of that picture, there is eternal death. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. At the end of that great and final day, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. But you know the Lord has done you a great favor. He's given you a glimpse or a picture into that eternal world. Look in Luke 16, beginning at verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. See, if Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, thou wilt send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, 
They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they won't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. How true? How true? Because Jesus arose from the dead, and yet people still do not want to listen. Have you considered these teachings? May we implore. May we beg. May we persuade that if you haven't thought about eternity and where you're going to spend it, now is the time of decision. And you may say, well, Brother D, I'm not concerned right now. I've got plenty of time. I'm a young person. Or you may be like some that we read in the scripture. I'll say, oh, I'll think about it later on. You know, I just really like where I am right now. I'm well blessed. I've got a good home. I've got a good job. I've got a good family. Everything is beautiful in my life. Before you get too comfortable with that, let me read you a scripture. And it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. That judgment scene that we set in Matthew 25, we're going to be there, friends, brethren, sisters. The days of our years are not very long. You know, David in his wisdom said they might be 70 or they might be 80 years. But you know what he said about it? It may be 70 or 80 years, but he said we're soon cut off and we fly away. The scripture said in Romans, the 14th chapter, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Have you confessed the name of Jesus? You realize it's going to be now? Or later? As you look at your life and as you look at the picture that we have, there's going to be a great eternity. This world's not going to be here anymore. How do you picture your choice? You're making that every day that you live. Where do you choose? Eternal life, eternal destruction. Our life on earth, and it's all eternity. Is that important to you? You look at your life this morning. 
This congregation stands ready to help in any way that we possibly can. If you need to be baptized this morning, now's the time. Paul said, behold, now is the day of salvation. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have yesterday. You have right now. Now is the day of salvation. And he said, don't harden your heart. If you're here and you've got something that's eating you alive and you need to make plans to get rid of it, that you need to confess it, that you need to pray to God for forgiveness. May we help you as together we stand and sing.